My name is Sophia Prince, and I went to my first Donald Trump rally on Monday, January 10th. There, I saw proud boys with machine guns, people selling women for Trump hats, ACAB flags, which actually stood for all communists are bastards, and a wide musical variety, ranging from country to parody. When I was at the protest, I was really interested in what people thought about the media and what sources they gathered their information from. I also asked some questions about some of the reasons for being at the rally and some of the issues in the world that they were passionate about. In terms of structure, I want to play you some clips from the rally detailing what information people believe, where they get their information from, and why they don't trust mainstream media. I will follow this up with a conversation with my editor, Megan, about the role of the media to report on people with beliefs that may not necessarily be truthful, as well as the ways to encourage people to trust mainstream media again. The first clip I want to play you is a woman talking about COVID-19 and our election. You think this virus came over here just out of the blue right before the election? I mean, really think about it. Um, they can create a virus and send it all over here. And I think that's what they did. And the mail-in voting, they didn't just come up with that because of the virus. You know, it's a real, the virus is real, but they're not being honest with us about the virus either. This is a woman named Julie from Cresswell, who I spotted at the rally holding a huge QAnon flag. I asked her what issues she cared about in today's society. Well, the corruption in our society is so, so rampant that at least 70% of our Congress should probably be in prison. Our elections haven't been true elections um, on the actual voting that the citizens do for probably decades now. That's got to be corrected. People also cared about things that surprised me at these rallies. This is a person talking to me about wealth inequality and uh, the disappearing middle class. Hedge fund managers, Wall Street bankers. I mean, why would you complain? This is great. The exportation of industrial jobs, manufacturing jobs to foreign countries like to China, they've made billions of dollars on the back of taxpayers, American taxpayers, who you are going to be left with the debt. Now, are you driving a Ferrari or a Bentley? You live in a 6,000 square foot home and that happens? Of course not. You probably never will. Your whole generation is a new generation that will. We live in a needle feudalism society where most of you won't ever own anything. So we'll get into some of these claims a little later in the podcast, but I, I was really curious about what news sources people were reading. So I asked them. Well, I like uh, uh, a little bit, you know, it's all with moderation because none of them, I trust any of them anymore. Right. But Newsmax a little bit. Okay. America Online or Aeon, The Epic Times. Mm-hmm. I like listening to Steve Bannon. Okay. I think he's pretty formidable in terms of his outlook on, you know, United States versus China and the prospects that if we don't do something, we will be. You know, China has initiatives and they've made it clear mm-hmm. to become a greater power than the United States. Julie, the woman I talked to earlier, filled me in on her news source, QAnon. 
Um, I noticed that you have a QAnon flag. Can you tell me about how you discovered this site or like this person? You? you know, it's been so long ago, I don't remember how I stumbled across Q. Uh, you know how you're online and and you hop and skip and wind up on subjects that you ha don't even know what they mean and i kind of stumbled onto q and uh have been there ever since do you find them a compelling um source for news what i find q to be is very compelling um, source for direction of where to look and research to find out information. Um, I don't necessarily find them to be a source of information. What they drop are crumbs, which are hints that there may be something wrong somewhere and that the hints are very vague. You have to do your research and dig and search and other people across the entire globe are researching the same crumbs. Ah, so if you're, you're following the crumbs of Q, what websites and news sites do you read other than Reddit? Other than what? I guess Reddit or wherever you see in Q. Um, 8kun, I used to spend my time on 8chan. Um, I pretty much avoid the um, mainstream media always yeah, because it's so obviously untrue. Julie was not the only person that had misgivings about the mainstream media. Um, I also talked to a woman named Betty who expressed these sentiments. I feel like I'm valued as a human, so yeah, like, so I normally don't do interviews just because I feel like I'm not expected. I've definitely heard from a lot of people that they don't feel like the press like, has any respect or understanding or even care to understand. Yeah. I don't feel like they care. They come here to like get a story or I don't know. It just feels biased. Yeah, and then we are really angry at the press and mistreat them because we feel that we're treated bad. So we we're like, hey, you're not our friend, you're not an ally, or whatever. It is, so. What do you think? Some ways that like the press could be better, like and try and be the most objective in your opinion. It's very difficult at this point. Um, I don't know. Just try, try to understand that. There is, you know, there is some of us that have blind, blind rage. They feel targeted. They feel like online we get a lot of threats in our community and threaten to come to our homes and like our families. And so it riles us up and then we just get blind rage and like we want to just call them out and say, well, come face us and this and that. And it becomes conflict. Hi, listeners. So after conducting these interviews, I was left with a lot more questions and answers. To help me sort through them, my editor, Megan Fitzpatrick, is here to chat through some of the implications of what people believe here, especially about the media. Megan is a journalism major as well, and my editor at the Multimedia Desk here at the Emerald. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. This is an exciting thing to talk about. Yeah, I know. I'm super excited. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to talk about was some of the news websites that were mentioned by people at the rally and um, some of the ones just as a reminder were Newsmax, Infomax, and someone mentioned a podcast with Steve Bannon um, and I wanted to know a little bit more information about um, these websites. I think obviously as like journalists you know there's there's such a broad exchange of where people can 
you know, consume media. And I think people can kind of get lost in, you know, all these like podcasts and all these media sites. And, you know, you can look up anything on different websites um, and different publications. And I think it's really important to just like take a step back and, um, you know, focus on what media has been fact-checked. And so I know you know this, Sophia, but there's like this media bias fact sheet, which is a graphic um, that has been compiled, I think, by a bunch of journalists or just fact checkers in general. And they talk about where different publications fall on the media public uh, media bias check. And it's just helped a lot for people to kind of understand where they're what what information they're consuming and where they get their information um, which obviously is important <laughs> when you're, when you're, you know, when you're a person who isn't necessarily, who isn't trained to be a journalist and who doesn't understand where, you know, what information is viable. So I feel like that has been a very good source for me when I'm consuming news, not only just as a journalist, but also just as a person. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I think is a great idea to, to keep, keep in mind when you're, you know, looking on websites about a news event or anything. Definitely. And so, you know, I went to that website as well. um, And I noticed that for Newsmax, which was um, a really popular site for people to go on, um, they wrote, overall, we rate Newsmax um, as right biased and questionable based on the promotion of conspiracy theories and pseudoscience, as well as numerous failed fact checks. Um, And I wanted to kind of ask your opinion on that and like, um, yeah, what you think, yeah, what you think about that. Yeah. Um it's it's hard obviously because as a journalist I take information and facts so seriously. And it gets a little bit disconcerting when you feel um like people are trusting news publications that don't um take facts as seriously as, you know, as 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 I would or as other journalists might. Um so I think it's just important for everybody to to recognize that when they're reading something online um but yeah I mean I don't personally consume that that those news sources I think there's better sources um but yeah that's just that's just my opinion and you know speaking of things that are not necessarily factual um I wanted to go over some of the claims that um were made by people during the rally um the number one thing that I thought was very questionable was um the woman Susanna who I interviewed who thought that the virus was probably made in a Chinese lab. And I just wanted to, you know, mention that this was a conspiracy that's been pushed by the kind of alt-right news media. Um, and a lot has been said on like 4chan as well as um, Newsmax. And so, you know, I wanted to look at some information from somewhere that fell right in the middle of the media bias chart, which happens to be the BBC. Um, and they don't have any sort of political bias, um, at least in terms of U.S. news. Um, and, you know, they said that they linked to an article which linked to a scientific study which said that, um, you know, this virus came from animals, came from bats. So I thought that was interesting and wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think obviously this has been such a devastating virus that has 
you know, affected so many people and taken so many people's lives. And I think misinformation just adds to the the devastation that's already happened. Um, kind of like what you're saying, I also read an article on BBC recently about, um, it's called the Cor- coronavirus, the human cost of virus misinformation. And I thought it was just like a really great article talking about um, how certain people who didn't take the virus seriously has gotten sick and since, and has since come back um, to discuss how they wish they trusted scientists and journalists who were reporting what scientists were saying. And um, I just think it's, it's, it's just very, in my opinion, sad to see such misinformation being put and being digested by people. Um, and I would really recommend people to read this article. I think it's very, I think it's a great article. And I think it really just kind of compiles a lot of misinformation regarding the virus into one article so you can kind of understand where um like what scientists are saying and how it kind of affects everyday people um but we'll link that down um you know this in the description below for this podcast um but yeah I that's my opinion on that yeah I think especially in this day and age it's interesting and obviously very devastating to see how misinformation is like actually taking lives um for Mm -hmm. example i read one article that said or one study that said um counties that listened to tucker carlson the most or like if they listened to it or if they didn't the ones that did listen to tucker carlson had significantly more coronavirus deaths and so you know i i think it's interesting to see how misinformation is actually like killing people and that's mm-hmm. kind of what COVID has led to. Yeah, I think for me, it it's just it's just important to take a step back and listen to the people who know what they're talking about. People who have been studying science and studying medicine for their whole lives. And I think that as a journalist, it's our responsibility to take those people seriously and not necessarily fall into like these conspiracy theories and report on these conspiracy theories because that's just very unproductive. Um but it was obviously like it's interesting to hear what these people have to say, you know, everybody everybody's down for good conspiracy theory sometimes, but you know, when it actually impacts people's lives, it's not it's not fun anymore, it's not interesting anymore and it's time for us to kind of take that narrative back and report on news that is relevant and could save people's lives, you know. Hmm, yeah. And speaking of conspiracy theories, um, a lot of people have asked me about my chat with the woman who believes in QAnon, mm-hmm. and I thought that this was a super interesting point as, like, this is the mother of all conspiracy theories in, right now, and I recently read somewhere that, like, hundreds of thousands of people follow this, if not millions, mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of wanted to talk, like, over what QAnon is and what they believe and like maybe why they believe it as well yeah um so the conversation about QAnon can honestly take up a whole podcast of in itself um but I think what's important to know about what QAnon is it's it's almost like a social community at this point um it has kind of a cult following in a lot of ways and basically what it is it's a website or forum where unfounded theories about how president trump and this is quoted from an article for the bbc it's um is a wide-ranging completely unfounded theory that says that president trump is waging a secret war against elite satan worshiping pedophiles in government business and in the media 
And so that's just kind of an overview. Obviously, there's a lot of separate um, forums and discussions that happen in the different subsections of this website, um, you know, talking about people who are allegedly in sexual misconduct rings and uh, just a bunch of really scary things. Um, And you can kind of trace it back to a 2017 anonymous user. um, And it's just had a lot of impact on people, specifically people who, um, you know, voted for Trump. Some people who are in the alt-right have joined this community, which... um, has led to a lot of violence. There's there's been an um there's been some correspondence to violence and people who believe in what some of the things that are happening in QAnon, um, which I I really encourage people to kind of take a step back after listening to this podcast maybe and just like do a little bit of their own research about what it is. Um, but something that I found really interesting was actually by the journalist Mike Wendling who wrote about this and one of the interesting things he said was a common misconception is that QAnon is purely a political movement, but it functions for people who believe in it as both a social community and as a source for entertainment. Um, and so just kind of that's end quote. And so for me as a journalist, I think people can have their own opinions on what this website is for and who it's for and the impact that it has on, you know, the government and just the people um, who, you know, read this, who read these forums. But I think it, it almost, it's almost just like a social interaction. I totally agree with you. Um, I've been reading some articles that say, you know, it's really exploded during COVID. And I don't think that that's a coincidence at all because, you know, people feel like super lonely. And this woman I was talking to was talking to me about how, um, it's super interesting to like be finding these breadcrumbs and like be bouncing off each other and to be finding people who believe like the same thing and so yeah your commentary about it being a social community is so true it's almost like more than news or like more than just a belief system it's finding people in a time that where it's so hard to connect um and so yeah I think that's yeah I think that's partially why it's still like continued despite the fact that uh, none of their predictions have come true and it a lot of people kind of do feel disenfranchised but still participate um obviously since the election and inauguration it has been winding down a bit because yeah none of the predictions came true so i think that's interesting but i guess i'm moving on a little to like a pretty hard question which is um you know why do you think that people feel like news is fake you know in a recent gallup poll they said that um four in ten u.s adults say they have a great deal to a fair amount of trust and confidence but or trust and confidence in the media but six in ten have not very much to none at all yeah and you know 30 and they said 33 percent of americans have no trust at all in the media and so you know Aside from just like rhetoric from Trump, which is like what we've talked about, what do you think some of the reasons that there is no trust in the media are? Yeah, I think that obviously those are very unfortunate numbers and it does force you to take a step back as a journalist to kind of consider, okay, you know, we're young, we're still in college, we're going to be taking the place of these journalists and we're going to be kind of under under scrutiny and under this light of distrust. And so I think it is important for us to take a step back and really consider what that, why that is. 
And um, just from my own personal research, I've discovered that a lot of this distrust can be traced back to, um, and this is just from polls of uh, media trust from back in the 60s and 70s, of people being mistrustful of the of journalists because of because the fact that they thought journalists were not asking hard questions regarding, um, you know, the the literally validity of starting a war in Vietnam and also just like Watergate and not uh, properly at, not 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 grilling people hard enough and not being the gatekeeper to the com- uh, being the gatekeeper of the government for the community for the people. Um, and I think some of that conversation can be very valid. Um, and so, um, you were kind of talking about how one of the women, um, feels like she's kind of disenfranchised from the media and she thinks that people paint Trump supporters in a specific light. And I think that understanding that people feeling disenfranchised is important, but journalists also have a job to report facts and, um, you know, taking it. And it's an interaction, you know, we, we report facts and then we give it to the people to consume. And that's the other part of the interaction. We can't control how they're going to take the news, the facts, as long as we're doing our good, our job, right. We, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can when we put out the article, that's what we've done. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but also, um, we can't compete with the entertainment of QAnon, you know, not to say that it's good entertainment, but it is, you know, there's a lot of things going on with it. Um, and I just think that hopefully, um, as long as journalists, good journalists, which there are plenty of them keep doing their job, right. And keep reporting facts and keep reporting about the people for the people, then that trust can kind of start coming back, especially after hopefully this whole fake news thing, which I refuse to ever state about my work or somebody else's work, even if I question the validity. I think that hopefully that rhetoric will kind of die down with this new administration um, because I think it's been extremely harmful for journalists everywhere and for the people, honestly. Yeah, I agree with everything that you just said. And I also want to add to like, um, I always go back to what... um, one of the women, Betty, said, which was that she feels like people come for a story, but not necessarily to, like, interact with the community or, like, anything that they believe in and, like, get to know them more. And I think that that is something that um, journalists could work on, which is, like, not just exploiting someone. And this is for anyone. Like, this happens all over and not just coming for a story, but, like, actually getting to know the community to, like, try and really hear like what they are saying and like what they're interested in even if they don't necessarily agree with their political views or what they're saying at all because that way you can really get to the bottom of what they're saying to dispute it like correctly um if it needs to be disputed or to like tell the story of why they believe these things and how like society or journalists can do better to like kind of bring I feel like bring everyone together if that makes sense Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I guess this is the perfect time to plug the Emerald Trust Project, which is a really awesome project that's going on right now through the Emerald. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, of course. So the Emerald Trust Project is an initiative by the Daily Emerald um, that's goal is to Increase, increase transparency, inclusion, and trust between members of the community and those who report the news. Um, and so we have done a, 
a lot of things in our, you know, at the Daily Emerald to make the, make people feel more comfortable about where they're getting their news from at the Daily Emerald. So a few things that we've been doing is we have increased transparency. So reporters include the manner in which they got their information. Our reporters will explain the process. And we also have um, a podcast that I host occasionally called um, How It's Reported, which breaks down the steps that the reporter took to create a story, you know, write a story, produce a story. And it just really helps people see behind the scenes. We have community in, uh, an input. We have community input through email at uh, trust at dailyemerald.com. And this initiative was all started by the managing editor, um, whose name is Francis O'Leary. And they have been a champion in, you know, making sure that us as a publication are taken seriously and, you know, we remain credible and transparent. So I would always recommend for journalists and for, you know, just anybody who listens to the Emerald, you know, this podcast to hear about what the trust, the Emerald Trust Project is all about and our goals and strategies. Um, But also that just kind of goes back to also just, I really, really encourage people to, um, you know, support local, local journalism um, there's this amazing journalist um, whose name is Rebecca Smith, uh, who, who was a former editor at Thanet Gazette. Um, and she said, in a fast-changing world, local journalism as at, is at the heart of readers' communities, and local journalists are able to really understand what is important to celebrate and mourn, champion, and sometimes criticize with true understanding of the area they serve. I think um, that that's a great quote to understand what local journalism is. And it also is just important to know that, you know, Journalists in a local community is aware of the people in the community. We care about people in the community. We want to make sure that stories are being told and people are being protected. Um, And I think local journalism has just done an amazing job for years to um, make sure that their community is supported and has has good um, information. So I really always tell people to consume local journalism and support, you know, their local news stations and everything. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, and being local, too, means that you really get to know the people that you're Mm -hmm. reporting on and, like, what stories they want to tell and what stories, like, deserve to be told about them and, you know, really getting to the bottom of the issues that people care about. And so that's why I think, you know, a lot of people were asking me at this rally, like, are you like what news sort like what news outlet are you working for and like if I say you know the Emerald it's like just um you know it's a Eugene local paper through the university they were a lot more willing to talk than if I had said a national news source obviously there's a time and a place for big media outlets you know um you know BBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times, obviously there's a time and a place and those have, those, you know, those do have really amazing journalists who, you know, inspire me to do better and to work harder. But, um, yeah, everybody stems every, a lot of, a lot of those journalists started as a local journalist and, you know, really had to start understanding their community in order to become a good journalist. And so I think it's just really important to support people like us who are just really care about our community and, Um, you know, want to do really good work, a lot of good journalism work. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, and yeah, it's important for things like the Emerald Trust Project too, which is like um, being the most transparent that we can be and being the most involved in like all sorts of different communities, especially ones that haven't had their voice heard. Like sometimes I think that, you know, Trump supporters have had their voice heard. Mm -hmm. So there's even, there's communities who really haven't. And like, this is another way for the Emerald Trust Project to um, do good work. Yeah. Good work, um, balanced work, and also fact-checking what people say before we post it. Um, Definitely. <laughs> because sometimes people, some, some, some journalists have known to not do that, but it's obviously important to do. Um, and I, just, I guess I just wanted to, like, you know, say that good journalism is not even close to being dead. There are so many good journalists out there, and it's unfortunate to see that there is such a distrust in media, um, but I don't know. I just, I just, I have a lot of hope for journalism in general. And I've, I've met so many amazing journalists who um, have dedicated their lives. You know, journalism isn't the best paid occupation you can have. So there's a lot of passion there. Um, and I just think it's important for people to give, give journalism a, ch- a chance. <laughs> well, Megan, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I learned a lot during this, throughout this whole experience about, uh yeah mostly mistrust in the media and the reasons behind it so yeah 100 percent. it's it's a great conversation to have and it's important to have right now and thank you listeners for tuning in as well